thanks again for tuning in to our Enlightened Conversations, where this season we are deep diving into some tough topics with our guests. I will also be sharing some enlightened conversations with my favorite intergalactic being, Ralph, from my book, Conversations with Ralph, as well as some new, never-been-heard-of conversations with them. You hear it all here, real, raw, and rare, and all shared in an enlightened way. Hi, everyone. It's Michelle Lightworker here, and welcome to Enlightened Conversations. I'm excited to have a deep dive into psychic detective work with Leanne, Barefoot Medium. Welcome, Leanne. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me back on. Always a pleasure. I know. It's an, it's, it's an exceptional pleasure today because we're going to be touching on a topic that's really close to your heart and your you know, involvement in what you're doing currently, which uh, you're making inroads, really big inroads into supporting psychic detective work. So yeah. I'll just let everybody know a little bit about uh, you just before we dive in. Yep. So Leanne, uh, Barefoot Medium is an international medium who is blessed to act as the bridge to connect you to your loved ones who have passed over and spirit guides to, to share their messages of peace, forgiveness, support, joy and love. She's also a twin flame who provides guidance around attracting, embracing and receiving love through soulmate or twin twin flame relationships, as well as stepping into conscious relationships and sacred union to connect with and embody the divine. Leanne also brings together her spiritual gifts, cultural and spiritual practices from of the mystic Kogi people with various life experiences and over 20 years of professional knowledge, wisdom, and expertise to support her clients to manifest their dreams through her work as a transformational coach. She is also completing her PhD thesis on psychic detective work. And as I am so curious about all the things that you've learned and discovered in this process, and that's why I've invited Leanne on the show to talk about it because I'm super excited as well. Welcome, Leanne. Thank you so much, Michelle, and thanks for that beautiful introduction. I'm Incredibly excited, and I know my team in spirit is incredibly excited to discuss this topic too. So let's see where we go. Yeah, and and it's it's an interesting it's an interesting topic because um, when I went on to uh, did a little Google and did the wiki thing this morning, and when I went on to Wikipedia, one of the things that this the, that's mentioned about psychic detective work, apart from the, the various like things that you can do like telepathy and dowsing and remote viewing um you know that in clairvoyance they they, may, they mentioned that that there's often a problem with the psychic detectives and the police force not actually uh working together um in collaboration like there's been problems in the past and I, I think that this is something that you're very passionate about and and absolutely and what's prompted you too as well to yeah and I think that's a really important thing um when we're drawn to a spiritual path we're often drawn to it for a reason and because it's something we're passionate about and where that passion is is often where our path is yeah so my background I guess I'll start there is my my real world background I guess is education-wise, psychology, criminology, education. So I, I did degrees in university back then. I worked in a university environment for a long while and still do. Um, 
and taught different courses, managed programs and courses, and have that research background and that analytical background, which, you know, allows me to bring to my spiritual work as what some people refer to as a natural medium. I came into this world being able to connect to spirit and communicate with the spirit world, whether it's through visions and sound or feel or knowing or all the other senses. I came in with that. And so it's really interesting stepping into a PhD or a Doctor of Philosophy program that combines both my analytical, logical side and my love of education and research and my spiritual abilities, which is why I'm so passionate about how mediums can work with police to support them with homicide investigations in particular. And that's where the psychic detective work comes in or what some people refer to themselves as psychic detectives. So that's kind of giving it a little bit of context and police are hesitant. And as a medium, I understand why they are hesitant because, and and like I shared with you just prior to coming online, there are people who claim to be, and I am going to use that word from a research perspective, claim to be psychic and claim to be mediums who are not quite able to provide the evidence or the proof that they can in fact do that. Mm. Yep. And if we look at it from a policing perspective, their work is all about proof and evidence. Yes. And in truth, mediumship is all about proof and evidence. And I think a lot of people who step into um, or are drawn to spiritual work may be psychic and may not be necessarily a medium. Yes. There is a very big difference. Yep. Do you want to discuss the difference there so that anybody listening goes, oh, hang on a sec, what what are you talking about? The medium, psychic, the same thing. But, but, you know, there are differences there. There are differences. And I think that's really important for the public to know about because we have so many people calling themselves a psychic medium. What does that mean? Yes. Yeah. Are they actually psychic? Mm. And, and, you know, how do they bring that information through? So looking at it from a research evidence perspective, it's how do you do what you do as a psychic or a medium? What is your process behind that? And a psychic is someone who uses their intuition to read into the energy of a living person. Whereas a medium is someone who connects into or communicates or is said to communicate with a, and in research terms, they call it a discarnate, a deceased person. Right. Yeah. That's a very clear differential. And 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 so you've got the reading of the energy with the psychic, yep. and then you've got the communication, the connection and the interaction, which can allow you to 
potentially get more evidence in a different form um, and, and, and potentially more accurate evidence because it's coming from directly from that disincarnate. So exactly. they can say, well, like as it's coming through, well, this is what I'm seeing, this person's telling me. It's, it's not like they're using their own information within. They're actually, if you're like a channel two, yeah. figuring out what is what is this person like a, almost like a cleaner line, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'll talk about channel as well in amongst that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to give an example of, I guess, and, and you and I both get how that works, we can psychically connect into a person, a living person, and we can feel that there might be grief and loss that sits in their energy Um, might be around the heart space, it might be wherever, Um, and we can read that grief energy and ask questions about who is that around, what is that to do with, and we can get that information from the living being's energy. Yep. Whereas if we are communicating with a deceased loved one, which is technically what mediumship is, then we need to be able to provide proof and evidence of who we are communicating with. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what that looks like, sounds like, or feels like might be very different depending on the the, the past loved one even. Um, and it might be, you know, what age were they when they passed? What gender were they? What's their relationship to you as the person having the reading? What's their personality? What did they do for a job? There's all sorts of things. So many things. And as a as a being who was living on the earth plane, they had an entire life. Mm-hmm. So they actually know exactly who they are they actually know all the facts and all the evidence about their life. Mm -hmm. So we as a medium do not need to know any of those answers. And like I said to you, the ego issue came up this morning around mediums for me Mm -hmm. to to bring in. There is no I in mediumship. Mm -hmm. Mm. We are simply the channel through which a deceased loved one brings through proof and evidence that their soul continues to survive after we leave the earth. Yeah. We'll stop. And, where, and, and where it, where it, um, I guess where we can get tripped up as, as a medium would be our processes where we're not sure of what, how to interpret what they've just said to us, but they're trying to, they're trying to use the mechanisms of how we, receive information you know like it might for for us they're trying to they're trying to work us out would that be true they're trying to work us how how do I communicate this best to you so you will get this so you can tell them what I'm talking about yeah and and I love that you asked that question because part of my my research in my PhD Mm. the first part of that is is interviewing mediums about what are their processes because Mm. There is no research that exists about how mediums actually do that. Mm -hmm. And Mm. so it's been really fascinating to interview all these different mediums about how do you work. I know how I work and yet 
what what we've found really is that um, each medium has a very similar overall process, yep. yet they have preferred methods or techniques or tools that they use in order to receive that. Yeah, and that's that. That is like almost like a <clears throat> where you have um, equality versus in, uh, you, you know diversity, um, and it's uh, on some level mathematically, geometrically, you know the way the world works. There's some kind of things that just work, and there's some spiritual truths about how these machinations work. But then you've also got the individual and how mm-hmm. they express their diversity and and the same goes so there's nuances right and there's leanings towards like preferentials because that's my strength I I often I often feel like um with mediums you know you go the one extreme where there's just the ego yeah and then you can go the other extreme is like I'm not good enough yeah and and it's like hang on you know you need to do it like allow yourself to immerse yourself in what works for you because then you can really you know, use that as a catapult to then, you know, improve on other aspects of your mediumship. But yeah. but like you said, in doing those interviews, like with the processes, it's very much about how that person, well, where they lean towards is usually what's what's easiest, what's quickest, what's what they feel yeah. they, they're sure about and that kind of thing. Wouldn't that be yeah. true? Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things I want to pick up on and I'm really glad you mentioned around the ego being that, you know, it, it's, um, and what I talk about is there's two aspects of ego and we we do have ego, all of us do. It's there for a purpose. It's not something to dismiss. It's something to be conscious and aware of mm. and where it sits with us and, and each of us, our ego can play out at different points. There's two extremes of of the ego and how it can present itself is the I'm and I'm going to say it this way because that's what came up this morning I'm the world's best or Australia's best or fame world famous or whatever now for me and and what I heard my spirit team talk about this morning was who gives you that label yeah that's interesting. And, and in itself. <laughs> where, where, in, where is the proof and the evidence that you are the best? Have you been through, from a research perspective, a research process that actually confirms that you are Australia's best or the best or world's best or whatever it is that you're claiming to be? And it's a claim mm-hmm. and it's a perception and it's an opinion. There's a difference between evidence and fact and opinion. And then there's the other extreme of the ego that goes, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I can't do this. Yeah, that's right. And so I think there's often a fear around the ego or we blame the ego for things rather than going actually it's just something to be conscious and present to and how it might be playing out for you as the medium and doing that check-in for yourself is that my ego playing out yeah and I think that a lot of the overcompensation of I'm the best I think it's belied by that I'm not good enough stuff 
like it is. Yeah, it's it's like you know I have to go this extreme so I don't feel that pain that like the shame core of myself. I'm not good enough stuff. Yeah, and I think I think that when we're able to say, oh look, hey, I'm always open to learning, like that sort of healthy humility, but also healthy acknowledgement of wow, how far I've come. Like, you know, Leanne, like you need to really acknowledge how far you've come. You're a pioneer. You're doing all this amazing work. So there has to be a healthy acknowledgement, really, you know, of you. the facts, right? <laughs> you you walk you. through this, you're doing this, you're, you know, it's, 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 it's real, you know, you're, you're really in this and, and it's yeah. really great to let that in and, and, and not, and I think that's, that's just, it is really just acknowledgement of, of the facts and truth when you yeah. when you do that. And, and sometimes we push that away because we don't yep. feel good enough too. So we, you know, no matter how much we've learned, some of my students, no matter how much they learn, it's like, oh, not good enough. Like, well, you, you know, that's just an unhealed shame core there. Yeah, it is. And I think um, I, I've had to learn to go thank you and and receive that in amongst the being present and conscious and aware of my own ego in amongst it and being humble with it, which is where you mentioned about the, the police side of things and why they're hesitant to work with psychics or mediums in, in particular around those criminal investigation-y kind of processes, whether it's missing persons or homicides. And, you, you know, from my perspective, I'm a medium. I don't do missing people, mm-hmm. um, and and that's my truth because the reality is I communicate with the deceased, mm-hmm. and so you know what police are hesitant around and skeptical around is the fact that so many psychics and mediums approach them with all this information that they say is true about a case or a a deceased person and they throw it into the investigation process not having an understanding or an awareness of police investigation processes. Yeah, healthy respect for both sides there. Correct. And understanding like police needs to understand the process and then the psychic detectives needs to um, understand the process so that you can actually work together cohesively there needs to be some kind of yeah teamwork right um and 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 what can get in the way too like as we're talking about the ego thing is you know then you've got police people who might have their own ego stuff around it they might have their own unconscious bias around things not existing spiritually they might have a lot of projection on that and there's there's a fragmentation of relationship that you know well, could healthily grow if if they were open to it, but you know that can cause issues as well. So I, I imagine that this process that you're stepping into, mm-hmm. where where you're you're trying to make changes in this regard, it's not as easy. It, it, it's going to, I guess, go through its own growing process, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like anything, it'll just go through a, an evo- evolution of getting stronger. Yeah, and and you know, there's a <laughs> You know, I had a false start around starting my PhD program because it yeah. because I'm aware of the bigness of stepping into that in yeah. terms of, you know, I am stepping in from a, a slightly left field topic 
particularly yeah. for criminology, for policing, which is the space that it sits in, and bringing the spiritual awareness or, or perspective to that, and it is left field. So I am aware that there's pushback, mm-hmm. that there's sceptics, and, and I think that healthy scepticism is, is perfect for a medium to work with. It pushes you to be more honest with your connections yeah, and it pushes you to learn and grow. I'm aware also that there's sceptics that will never be convinced. So you have to know the difference. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, stepping into that space five years ago, six years ago, I wasn't ready to do that personally. Mm because I wasn't confident in in my work either. So I had to do that personal work on shifting, clearing, healing beliefs and patterns and insecurities and all of those things before I can now step into a university environment where there are academics, where there are researchers who want to know what's the evidence for this. Mm. And I have to present my research. I have to present my topic, present what I'm doing. And I get questions asked back every single day. So I have to be able to defend what I'm researching. Mm. Because if I'm sitting with a, a police officer doing that work as a medium, I have to be confident in the information I'm receiving from the spirit world or from the deceased victim to be able to pass that on, whether the police, the officer that you're working with or connecting with or who's invited you to to work on a case, they may or may not be open. And you've got to sit in that. Mm. And 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 have enough confidence in your own um knowledge of what you've received to be true and and to just and even if it's limited information because sometimes you only get bits and yeah and and not to feel like you have to extrapolate when when no you've only got this bit and yeah. um, it might not make sense but it is makes perfect sense to yeah it does the, yeah in the in the end they they realize it does and you know, I'm I'm one of my supervisors always has a bit of a giggle going, I don't know how you do it, but every time we think about an idea of how we can do something, you mm-hmm. then get all these people coming your way just accidentally. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, exactly. The spirit world does that. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm blessed to have been able to have you know, the right people sitting in the right rooms when I'm presenting my research. Like um, I've had a a couple of very high up um, ex-police sitting in a space coming up to me afterwards going, wow, you're really brave, A, to do that topic, and B, I'm really interested in what the outcome would be. Can you please keep me up to date? Can you let me know if you need any help, any support, Um, you know? um, Mm -hmm. So I'm being guided along the way and that's how 
I know that those in spirit are, are saying this is your path, this is yeah. your work. It's not my ego, it's yeah. it's them doing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, a lot of the older cops are, uh, they've seen enough to, you know, have their own realisations about like, you know, I find it really interesting some some police people leave because they can't come to terms with something they haven't solved it 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 haunts mm. them it's 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 too much for them mm. and um it changes them you know mm. they have a connection with the victim and they they feel like they let let them down or it's burnt them out or they got too attached to trying to solve it and they couldn't and and yeah. there's a connection they have this connection but they don't know how to do the resolving part they don't know this I, I kind of feel like you know they should come your way <laughs> and be educated because it's almost like there's a part of them that needs to know how to do that that's yeah. frustrated that they haven't been able to yeah and you know there, there's a number of police officers that I've spoken to um you know particularly in the university environment who are you know educating the new generation of police officers or criminologists that step into that space. And there's some um, ex-police from the US and the UK and, and Australia that, that I'm working with, that I get to engage in conversations like that. And, you know, all of them saying, well, police do use their intuition in particular with homicide investigations because, yeah. you know, they have to know and 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 even teaching a homicide course at uni at the moment, mm. one of the first things that police officers do when a homicide case, they're, they're advised that there's a deceased person. They turn up at the scene. They have to make a decision and a choice in looking at the facts and the evidence from four things. They have four options. Is it a natural death? Is it a suicide? Is it an accident or is it a homicide? And so intuitively they're often working with mm, something feels off here. Yeah, reading the room, looking at what's going on, what's, you know, trying to put it together in their own mind. Yeah. Obviously and there's blood splatter on the wall coming from a different direction. They'll probably think it's a homicide. You know, there's there's all that sort of stuff that they There is, at. right? Mm. And if mm. if they trust their gut, and or their experiences in that work, mm. then then they're more than likely to get it right in terms yeah. of how they classify that. Yeah. And then that investigation process then comes as a result. If, mm. you know, you classify something as a natural death that's not, it never gets investigated. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you then have family members of victims who never get answers and that, mm. you know, like you were talking about with police, there's police are also victims in amongst homicides in particular mm. and so are family members and loved ones that are left behind are also victims and yeah. it's a challenging thing for police and I think mediums who have not been trained in how do we deal with grief, loss and trauma, mm, mm, who yeah. add to family members' trauma and grief, and that's not okay. Yeah, 
That's right. There, there needs to be an education on, um, you know, there's obviously the event is going to create a huge loss, mm. but then how you handle that is also going to create a, an imprint and an impression on the psyche of all the family. And if there's not the emotional intelligence from the police force to understand the medium too, to understand those processes, mm. it's going to create problems that I, I feel like trauma blocks yeah. communication. Yeah. So, and it also blocks our brain function. Mm. So like our higher faculty thinking's frozen. We can't really see the bigger picture. We're not, and, and, and that trauma response in our brain really shuts down our ability to cognitively, you know, sense what, what could be happening in, in our intuition abilities. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, it's compounding stuff. Mm. Um, do you ever, do you ever feel like um, death itself and the passing of um, victims um, is more about the family, the friends, the police force, the community, then it may have been about the the victim that there's their their passing means something. It's an education of sorts. And I guess coming from that spiritual perspective, and and I know that that that's where you come from as well. Is that their soul? I believe a soul leaves this earth the way they're meant to, for a their own learning. And be the learning of those left behind, yeah, or okay. impacted. And so, sometimes the the passing, whether it's through a natural death or even a traumatic event such as a homicide, there is trauma with that. It is a a it is the most serious violent crime that can be committed. Um, and so there is a whole world of trauma and energy and chaos and, and stuff that comes with that. No matter how someone goes, there is an opening spiritually for those who are left behind because it may be the catalyst that opens someone's eyes to the existence of the soul. That's so and true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that may be part of the purpose or it mm. may be the catalyst for getting someone to step into doing healing work around trauma and grief and loss. And, you know, I know I've spoken to a couple of um, uh, family members of victims um, and there's, without kind of, identifying them there's a couple of them who are now working with others in that space who support other victims of uh, family members of victims of homicide in moving through trauma or going through the legal system or you know dealing with police and how that works so you know and and the case that I often talk about as an example is Daniel Morecambe yeah um, you know, for those in Australia um, who may know that case in particular, um, it was almost eight years before his remains were found. Mm. Um, and in that eight years, what did his his parents achieve 
yeah for the greater good and you know the the support and and protection of other children who may be at risk of a similar fate exactly it started a whole movement you know it really did um it really like if that hadn't happened his family his mum and dad wouldn't have started the Daniel Morgan Foundation I remember walking working in child safety um you know over 10 years ago um and Dan the Morecams walking in and I remember going whoa okay and gee you know the presence of their energy and their mission and they have always been 100% committed to making sure this the the risk to children is reduced and and they really have made it their purpose and yeah, yeah that's a really good example those for, for those of you who are not in Australia or who don't know about it in Australia Daniel um was 13 years of age um, went to catch a bus to go to buy a Christmas present and was picked up by um a gentleman who ended up um killing him and um and that wasn't, as you said, that wasn't revealed till eight years later. And um, that investigation was was a very long, long one and very painful one for the whole yeah. community to see because yeah. we were all wondering, you know, where's Daniel? What happened to Daniel? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't just the parents and their mission. It was really the community. We all got affected by it. My children at the time were in their sort of 10, 11, 12 yeah. age group, similar you know, they became very aware of, you know, what they should do, not do, and all mm. those kind of things. It was education mm. on so many levels. It really yeah. was. Yeah. And I think one of the the most powerful things um, that I read and, and heard was Denise Morecambe in particular, her um, victim impact statement um, in, in the criminal case in court in, in front of the and I don't know whether you would call him a gentleman, um, the the person who was convicted of that crime. Um, one of the things that strikes me is her saying you picked the wrong family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they were so committed yeah. to, you, you know, and, and it's often that anger, and it is anger about, what what's happened to their their child, their sister, their daughter, their their loved one, their partner, whatever it might be, as that victim, anger is often the emotion that sits there for family members that are left behind. And we can either use that anger in a really um, destructive way or a really powerful, positive, empowering way. Yeah. Um and it can drive us to step into our purpose and our path. And it's often these beautiful beings that, or these beautiful souls that left this earth in a way that no one would wish upon anybody mm-hmm. that also gift their loved ones with, with a powerful way of stepping into some purpose if they're able to see it. Yeah, I agree. That's a really beautiful way to say it. It is an invitation. And no no life that has been murdered is wasted. And no. I think that's really important for us to acknowledge that they their lives serve a purpose yeah. um, beyond their death as well. Um, yeah. often hear Dr. Phil talking about how much you, you know, um, we, we grieve what we've lost, but we don't celebrate who they were. 
but yeah. then there's a then there's that other aspect of them there's more to come they then they're still they're still educating us there's still a relationship let's 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 find out what that means really to us and mm-hmm. allow that relationship to continue so that we can allow the gifts of their life and what they're yeah. here to teach us to continue and i think daniel's yeah. been a part of it and probably not acknowledged as much as i would like to yeah. you know for me i would be like to say how much is daniel pushing this as well um and we haven't really kind of spoken about that as daniel living on we've only yeah. spoken as daniel's deceased and so you know it's i think about changing our own pers- way language maybe around yeah. um people who are gone and yeah. And that, 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 that they're not really. Um, yeah. I, I would like to speak more on that in relation to DV and mm. homicides that occur with DV. And yeah. they often happen, you know, that escalation that happens where um, you've got some an abuser and, and they feel like they've lost control and especially the, the most vulnerable time for, a, for an abuser to actually act out and kill is when that, a person in a relationship who identifies as, as the person being abused chooses to leave or actually yeah. says they're going to leave or yeah. um, that escalation often comes from, uh, for those of you who don't know much about DV, DV is, is about, uh, it's not actually about anger out of control, it's more about control out of control. So there's this inability to um, cope mm. with being out of control in a yeah. relationship and and there's a, there's a, a loss of, faculty in in that obviously and that um is is probably more um prevalent in people that have frontal lobe issues and things like that with with anger management sure um but what it comes from and if we look intrinsically look into a psyche of a being what it comes from is i want to be i want to be able to control not having this loss of whatever that looks like this detachment Yeah. yeah And yeah. so, therefore, a lot of the people who murder their spouse in an escalation or even plan it yeah. is that they want to be with that person in the afterlife. They they feel like if, if I can't have them, no one's going to have them. You hear that a lot in, in these DV cases. Yeah. And one yeah. of the things that jumps out to me, I know I've said a lot and I'm sure you, you have a lot to say on it already, but one of the things that jumps out to me on this topic is that we we think, uh, in our human brain that 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 person in the afterlife is going to be with us and they're going to be in serenity with us because we've they've crossed over with us mm. and in my experience that's not at all true mm. um you you cannot control a soul whether it be here mm. or in the afterlife exactly. what, what are your thoughts on all that that's a lot but what are your thoughts it, on it is and I, I i guess i'd start from the academic perspective and i like mm. that you brought in dv because in Australia in particular, the most common type of homicide is intimate partner homicides. Um, now, that that's our most common. We by no sense have a very large homicide rate in Australia. We are quite moderate moderate in comparison to other countries. Oh, yes, we are, aren't we? Like, yeah. think of how many, yeah, the US yeah. is... Mm. 
Well, or Latin America. And Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I lived and and worked Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, was in Colombia for a long time. And so, um, you know, even teaching um, at the uni, one of the things that we talk about is um, the data. What does the the data tell us about homicide rates? And Australia has a very moderate homicide rate. And most of those homicides are intimate partner. Mm. Um, now there's a number of factors into into why that might be. Um, the interesting part of that is we have an escalation of stranger related homicides, and it's usually most most victims are men. Really, that's really and most cool. offenders are men. Right, right. Okay. And yet we're told that intimate partner mm. is the most common homicide. Mm. The reality is that intimate partner homicides have come down in Australia. That's great. Oh, my yeah. God, I'm so happy to hear that. And maybe our work with the DV education is actually working because you know, I've been on my high horse about it for a number of years now. So, And there's a there's quite a few programs now around of, of offenders or potential offenders of domestic violence or DV um, yes. and how to support them with managing emotions and and mm. that side of things that, that stops them from getting out of control. And there's often that with, with any homicide that there's an event, an incident, and it's often a moment in time that escalates. Mm-hmm. Whatever triggers that, whether it's planned to then take actions around, you know, taking someone's life mm-hmm. or whether it's just in that instant and that moment, um, we don't know in some cases, do mm-hmm. we? Yeah, so that's kind of like that individual trigger, that individual like makeup of a person, and maybe what's unresolved for them, and someone's just poked, poked that particularly well. Not blaming them, but it's just whatever their existence and whatever they've said is just literally a trigger for for that to go off. Flipped it, yeah, and and you know it brings in part of that mental health side of things and. You know, not all offenders have mental health issues either. And it can be around that control and, and you know, that kind of came up this week for me. Someone, a student um, in one of the classes I was teaching said, oh, well, they, the offenders have mental health issues. And I went, no, they all don't. Mm. That's, a, that's a judgment and a perspective there. How many offenders are actually diagnosed with a mental health issue and there can be some that are undiagnosed. However, it can just be a matter of control. Mm, and yep. I'm at, that's not a diagnosed mental health issue. No, it's more a spiritual um, disease, that one. Like, you know, trying to control, it's like playing God, basically. Yeah. 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 And, and that brings in, I guess, what we're talking about is an aspect of the ego. Mm, mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And how ego plays out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, and and that God complex sometimes right. that comes up. And you yeah. know, it's I choose how this works, not you. And and often, like you said, um, a lot of homicides that are the intimate partner homicides happen after someone leaves. Mm. 
and and so the 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 eventual victim often feels like they're safe they're okay and can take that breath and let their guard down maybe a little bit um yeah and and then it escalates because they don't know what to do they don't they're out of control and you don't get to say how this works and when you leave and and that's that kind of god complex that comes yeah. in yeah which i want to connect back a little bit to the mediumship side and the the guru status yeah that often comes up and back into that psychic detective work most and and in fact all of those that i have interviewed professional ethical and accurate mediums will not publicly let anyone know that they do that work Mm. because it is not work that we need to share with the public yeah it's work we share with police and we hand it over and they investigate and they solve crimes yeah, and, and they Mediums know their boundaries. Do not. Yeah. So if you are someone who's watching this and, and is is looking for someone who does that work, be very, very cautious with people who post stuff on social media and I've seen some horrific things about missing persons and they're still alive and they're doing this and I'm like, oh, please don't put that out there. You never know when a family member of a victim or a missing person might read a post that you put public. Yeah. So as a medium to others who might be doing this work or might be interested in doing this work, stay humble. Do that work in silence. You don't need public recognition um, the recognition you get is from those in the spirit world. That's who yeah. you do the work for, not for your own public recognition or fame. Yeah, I can attest to that because I've shared with you how many things I've just done and and um, won't go into it here, but there's just yeah. there's a lot of work that you're called to do and it's it's not, yeah, it's not, it's just, be, you know, it's it's you do always get something from it. That, this, that's for sure, you, you do, but it's not what you think. So... It's it's deeper than that. I think it's soul growth stuff, honestly. Yeah. And it's not um, acknowledgement from. I feel, I still feel there's an acknowledgement from the spirit world, though. Absolutely, um, that's so much. The gift. Yeah, like I really that's do. The gift. That's like, made me cry, you know. And so you know, I know, you know, you and I both know that we've we've got loved ones in the spirit world, mm. and what what price do you pay? for feeling the essence or knowing that your loved one is still around you and connected to you and they know what's going on in your life and they can connect and communicate with you one more time. What price do you put on that? And for me, the humility that sits within that, we as mediums need to remember that our role is simply to be the channel through which the loved one in the spirit world connects to their living loved one yeah. and it's about their relationship, not yours. Yeah. 
So get out of the goddamn way and let those loved ones, those souls do what they need to do for their loved one, for their healing, for their growth, for their love, for and, and that's what you have to honour. 100%. And I honestly think with all of that healing that you're talking about, like in that process of psychic detective work, it's just as important, like, like people's energy and their unresolved um, grief and issues actually do dynamically get in the way of, of yep. things progressing and being solved quicker. And you often find when people come to realizations where they just need to let go or they, they have these, then the, then the, the, the case is solved. It's almost like they yep. needed to get to that point. So all yep. the work that people can do with the, the those have crossed over, do as much as you possibly can, because yep. that, that is, not that is the that is the best way to help the investigation isn't it yeah. without so a doubt there's two examples that are popping into my mind around that and mm. and um yeah without revealing too much there's there's a case in western australia that um there was multiple victims um and i'm i'm being conscious of how i say it um two of which um their remains have been discovered, one of which has not. Um, those in the spirit world are in control of when and how they're discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, and this particular victim, I'm I'm aware, has said, you will not find my remains until my parents have joined me in the, the spirit world because I know their emotions and what they can and cannot cope with and I want to tell them what happened to me when they get here rather than them having to live through knowing that. Mm. And there's a healthy respect for mediumship right there as to how, when, all that kind of thing, yeah. And as a medium, we have to honour that. Absolutely, yes. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's another example that, you know, I'll throw in there that uh, the Australian audiences might know is William Tyrell. Mm. You know, he's at this point a missing, well, he's a missing person presumed deceased. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it, it has switched into a homicide investigation. Um, now, at what point will he be found? when his soul says it's time. Yeah. 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 And 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 so the 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 grief and the loss and the all of those other things that can get in the way is is us trying to control an outcome. Yeah. Um and and often when I'm whether it's a normal mediumship reading or or a case like that, what I'll often see is it's like a big balloon that's in between, like the sit-up, if there's a massive amount of grief and trauma that sits there. Yeah, that's a really great way to actually describe it because it's, it's you know, how balloons push. The more you don't resolve, the bigger they expand. It's almost like they create, it creates this divide or this, this, this detachment from what you can discover and see. It's like a yeah. even when you try and look through a balloon, you can't. Like it's not no. easy to see. Yeah. And so often the the loved one that's coming through for the the person you're giving the reading to, what they're what they're often trying to do is help pop that balloon. 
Mm, yeah. If we put it in that way, which is how can we help you to resolve some of this trauma or this grief or this loss? Yeah. And really grief is just love that we don't know where to put. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and that's why if you, you know, you've got somebody murdering someone, they think you're going to be together on the other side, there's still unresolved stuff like Correct. even for them and and they still need to do the work and if they don't um, and they're not willing to, then, you know, it may come back around where they come back in, do another lifetime together again, go through the same thing. It's a little yeah. bit like, you know, how many times do I have to do this cycle in life? Yeah. But lifetimes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like don't worry about the life. You're like, what about the lifetimes? Like, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's resolve it so that we don't have to do this again, you know. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot of, I know we're going to finish up and I, yeah. I just, it's a huge topic and I, I just, I'm just loved having you speak so, uh, you know, um, both both from that spiritual and, and also that scientific realm and allowing that bridge to exist um for me there's evidence is only is is based on the tools we use to measure evidence by and we need to do that as mediums as much as we need to do that in the physical world so I really acknowledge what the work that you're doing and I love the work that you're doing bridging those two worlds together and making inroads and um I guess you know what's what's been the highlight for you the biggest highlight for for you doing this work for your own person? Gosh. Um, I guess since it, for me it's about the reason I'm doing it is honouring those souls that have passed. Um, and I often yeah, I, I have a joke because a couple of weeks ago you know I had to do a three-minute um, presentation about my, my PhD research. I had three minutes to explain wow. it wasn't allowed any notes I had to memorize it and all of that and and normally my memory is shocking um and a three minute speech about that um the night before I said to to those in the spirit world I said come on guys you need to help me here because I need to remember this tomorrow and and I had been repeating it repeating it the next morning I woke up and went oh and just banged it out in the in the three minutes so I was so excited and when I got through it the first time without making a mistake I kind of jumped around and was so excited and I could feel them doing the same that's awesome Um, and you know putting a slide together with some some victims faces on it and one of the academic staff that was helping me with it said, oh, I think that the slide's too busy. Can you remove some of the faces and maybe just pick one or two? And I went, how do I do that? Yeah. Like, And, and I ended up going, I can't do that. No. Because the reality is that I'm not doing this work for me. Yeah. I, I'm doing this work for, for them. And to support those future victims, unfortunately, which are which we are going to have, and to bring together that police investigation side, hopefully, and the spiritual 
where police can go to professional, ethical and genuine mediums for help and support as expert consultants. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Leanne. I'm just excited to see where this goes from this seeds, the little seeds of the PhD, I hope they go boom. Yes. <laughs> I really do. I'm I'm excited. And it's so thank such you. a privilege to know you. Oh, um, thank you. So, so always so blessed to be able to hold space and and to talk about these tough topics and um and, and also just to let everybody know, um, by the time this airs, it might be full, but Leanne's got a retreat that's happening in September of 2023. And you might do other ones I suppose as well. So um, do you want to just mention that quickly and where to find you? Yep. Um, I do two retreats. At the moment, it's two retreats a year. Um, one is around mediumship specifically and how to develop and grow your mediumship in amongst a little bit of personal development that might go along with it. Um, they go hand in hand. Um, and the one in September is the Mirror of the Soul retreat, which is around uh, manifesting, creating the life that you that you want. So it's time out to really focus on your goals, your wishes, your desires, whether it's love and relationship, business, finance, yeah. spiritual growth, whatever. Um, yeah. it, you set the intention and we just see where that goes. So Beautiful. Pop the balloon and remove the barriers to bring it to you sooner, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there is work around that. Um, it. and it's fun at the same time oh for sure and I can contest to that having uh, known Leanne for gosh over seven years and just worked with you and shared space with you um, you know road trips with you uh, you know this woman's amazing and Thank you know you. being in her presence you can learn so much no matter where you're at in your life so thanks Thank so you. much Leanne for joining us this this time and and uh, look forward to having you on the show again um, and big blessings to you and you. and I hope that um, everybody who's listening has has taken something from this that they can walk the path with less less um, less ego mm. more humility mm. and um, more awareness that there's just so much more that we are receiving from anything to do with psychic detective work, whether it's ourselves or the community, the families, the the deceased uh, people. We're all learning so much. So thanks, Leanne. Thank you for holding that space for um, that conversation. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you, beautiful. Okay, bye, everybody, and we'll see you next time on Lightning Conversations.